Well, this morning I'd like for us to look in overview really at this passage that we read in 1 Thessalonians, and in particular verses 6 through 10, and uh, to look at what these things teach us about the gospel and about genuine faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And friends, I hope that most of you know that the true message of Christianity, the message of the Bible, is the total opposite of the wisdom of men. You know, if we want to know what Christianity really is, we have to go to what God has revealed in his word. We have to go back to the beginning, and it's only by going to the Bible itself that we have that clear and sure word, the truth, the word of God. You know, if you look at religious movements, you know, throughout the years and, you know, various religious leaders and often their messages modify and change and adapt in order to try and be successful. And sadly, we know that errors have also at various times caused major problems in churches and so many other man-made ideas, but really they have nothing to do with the truth. The wisdom of God is opposite to the wisdom of man. And it is unchangeable, absolutely right and true. And so in that sense, we don't go forward to know what the true gospel is. We go back to the way that God gave the gospel in the beginning. It is the gospel of God, the power of God unto salvation. It is all of him and not of men. And this gospel still has the power to change and transform lives. And the type of transformation that we see in these people that we find in Thessalonica, these believers. And as Paul writes under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he is seeking to encourage them. And as he does so, he, he speaks about them and the manner of their faith. He speaks about the fellowship and the way that they are. And so he sets them forth as these great examples of, of genuine faith. And so the question is, what characterizes them? And what should characterize us if we love the Savior? What can we learn from these believers? And I just want to draw out a number of very simple things. And the first thing that I want you to see in verse 6 is that they were truly converted. They were regenerate. They were born again. They had life. They were in Christ. You know, Paul says, you became followers of us and of the Lord. And so the first thing that is said about them is that they became something that they were not previously. They were taken from one state and brought into another by the grace of God. You know, they were given new life in the Savior. There was this transformation that, that, that took place. They were, they were brought from a, a state of deadness to life in Christ. You know, they'd known a, a day of grace when they had heard that, that precious voice of the Lord Jesus saying, come to me. You know, a work of the Holy Spirit to enlighten and help and guide and quicken them and make them aware of the holiness of God and the reality of their sin. And they were drawn to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, to know that they were sinners and yet in him they could be forgiven and accepted with God and clothed in the righteousness of the Savior. They were in Christ. They were truly saved, truly converted. And the question directly and straightforward is this, are you? Are you saved this morning? Are you converted? Do you know Christ? Are you in Christ? A Christian is someone who has been made new, who is dead and yet lives because of the intervention of God. 
And it says that they became followers in the gospel path of those Christians who had gone before. It says they became followers of us. They followed the way of the apostles and their helpers like Timothy and Titus. And he mentions there at the beginning Silvanus as well. And so those who were newly saved, those who became Christians, you know, they didn't just go their own way, but they went in the way of faithful brethren centered on Christ. They followed the word of God. And it's interesting that you have the inclusion there of men like Silvanus. It's not just the apostolic doctrine, but it is the lives of faithful believers. And you know, when you're truly saved and when you're brought to know the Lord Jesus, you realize that actually you're part of a family. And the instinct is to walk in the same way that is faithful to the word of God. And Paul was able to say, you became followers of us. You saw our lives, you saw our attitudes, you saw the things that we believed and and held on to. You know, when a person is converted to faith in Christ, they instinctively have a a new regard and a love for the people of God, for the brethren, their, their brothers and sisters. And especially those faithful older brethren who are good examples. Now, friend, no believer is perfect, and sadly, not every sort of mature believer is a a good example or model for those young in the faith. But where there is faith and faithfulness, we regard and look up to brothers and sisters more mature who've been walking the way for many years. I was in Southport last weekend, and it was a great blessing to me to see familiar faces of those who love the Lord and have been walking with the Lord for a long time and are still found faithful, eagerly serving. You know, many have been called home already, but no doubt we can think of those in our own experience who have had a great impact upon us. You know, I I can think of godly pastors, some now with the Lord, and, you know, seeing their example, how they knew the Lord and experienced the Lord and, and longing myself to have that type of nearness and relationship with the Savior. Think of the way that they they spoke with the Lord in their prayers and and longing to have that type of communion. You know, in our our own fellowship here in Penzance, you know, many names come to mind of of lovely brothers and sisters who have been those mothers in Israel or fathers in the faith. You know, I can picture them and no doubt you can too. They were the excellent of the earth to us. You know, their spiritual lives and their examples, their they're edifying an excellent conversation and we miss them. There's a generation who loved the Lord and committed to his cause and who have proved him over the years. And now increasingly they've been taken home and the challenge is who, who will follow? You know, may I ask you, dear friends, those of you who have been walking with the Lord for a long time, you know, have you considered the example that you set for those who follow? You know, does your love for the Lord Jesus and his cause burn brightly? You know, when the young in years or the young in faith look to you, where do they see your affections? Where do they see that your heart really is? You know, there is an impact which comes from the mature believer's life, the way in which there's faithfulness and and discipline, the impression of Scripture stamped upon them. And those beginning in the way, they look to that and they... They long to aspire to that by God's grace. But that's only part of verse 6, you know. So they were converted and they they follow those who have gone in the way. But also this genuine faith is obviously they are followers of the law. 
You know, ultimately, we're not followers of men in the last instance. We are followers of Christ himself. Christianity is Christ. You know, it's all bound up in him. And, you know, there's a measure we only follow older believers insofar as they themselves are following the Lord. You know, their natural age or long-standing is not the main thing that calls for their respect. We admire them and emulate them insofar as we, we see Christ in them. You know, the character of Christ, the mind of Christ, you know, the, their awareness of the Scripture, which they've acquired over a, a lifetime of faithfulness, the stability of their character, reliability, dependability. These are the things which are not given to them of themselves, but they're given by the Lord Jesus as they follow him. And that's what we look to. You know, and so when we're converted, we are, we are transformed, we are changed, and we follow Christ, and we, we follow in the way of the brethren who have been walking there, faithful to the word of God. You know, one of the great troubles in today's church is that we despise what has gone before. We don't want to learn from that which has happened in the past. So those who served in the past, we've got to be very careful about that. You know, genuine believers love those who have gone before us in Christ. No, we, we don't regard them as perfect, but we know that they were the Lord's people. And so we're careful about their reputations, careful about the way we speak of them. And so the genuine faith of these outstanding Thessalonian believers showed that they were truly transformed and they, they followed in the right way, the way of faithful brethren and ultimately the way of Christ. But then notice this, verse 6, genuine faith showed itself not only in this conversion and the reality of that, but they received and loved the word of God, verse 6. Having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Spirit. The next thing that Paul says about their genuine faith is the way that they, they hear the word and receive the word. Now, he's talking about the scriptures, but particularly the preaching of the gospel, the exposition of the word of Christ in the truth. And it's by the proclamation of the word, the gospel, that people become true believers. It is the, the truth proclaimed and applied by the Holy Spirit in a person's life. You know, that's why we read that passage in Ezekiel, oh, how we need that today, the preaching of the word of God in demonstration of the spirit and power. You know, people aren't made Christians by any man-made programs or anything else. It is a work of God. You know, a work of God by the word of God. Christ preached in all of his fullness and his loveliness and his beauty in his office as prophet, priest, and king. And you know, when these Thessalonians heard it. They believed the word. They received the word. You know, if you were to look back in Acts 17, you have the account there of Paul's labors amongst them. And so he goes there to preach the word and some dismiss it and some oppose it. But by the grace of God, some were given to believe it and they received the word. They hear it, they believe it. And when a person is converted, they receive the word of God as it is divine, infallible, from the Lord. The Lord Jesus said, didn't he? My sheep hear my voice, and they follow me. Goats don't follow, but the sheep recognize the shepherd's voice. And they know when they hear the true gospel, they, they recognize it, they receive it. 1 Thessalonians 2.13, For this reason we also thank God without ceasing 
because when you received the word of God which you heard from us, you welcomed it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God which also effectively works in you who believe. You know, when we, when we come to a means of grace like this, what is taking place now is not just the sharing of man's thoughts. It is the declaration of the word of God. And we are given to hear by the grace of God. They're enabled to hear with the inner man. They felt the power and working of it in their soul. The Holy Spirit working upon the word, this tremendous power. And it subdued their minds to trust and obey and subdued their corruption, sanctifies them. The power of the word of God is transforming. And see, if you will, that Paul says two things particularly about what happens when they receive the word. Notice that trouble comes when the word is received. Having received the word in much affliction. You know, when we really believe the word, when we're really sold out on the fact that this is the truth of God, the sufficiency of scripture, there will always be trouble. The devil will see to that. That's the last thing he wants is for people to hear and believe the word of God. And so if you want a mark of being a real believer, when you receive the word of God, there'll be trouble and trials and afflictions of many kinds. You know, even in Acts 17, you know, as soon as some believed this word as it was preached, the religious leaders of the day immediately stirred up a whole world of trouble for these young believers. No sooner they believed and received the word, trouble came. And when the word of God comes into our lives and brings with it great blessing and comfort and assurance, we can guarantee that there'll be trouble as well. There'll be opposition. You know, people will mock you. People will scorn you, even those close to you. They'll treat you like an idiot. Now, how can you go and, and listen to these things? They'll do everything they can to put you off the truth of God. It's to be expected. But it's a sign that we're receiving the word of God as we should. But then also, you know, in the midst of this, trouble comes, but also great joy comes. With joy of the Holy Spirit, joy of a spiritual kind, joy of salvation, joy of knowing our sins are forgiven, that we're right with God, joy of the working of God in our hearts. You know, it's a wonderful thing when you think about that. God at work in you. It's a joyous thing to know that peace of God that passes all understanding. You know, John Wesley put it so beautifully in his own experience. My heart was strangely warm. Joy in the Holy Spirit. You know, Paul had known it in his own conversion. You know, before he was converted, think of Paul. You know, he's a Pharisee, hated Christ, hated everyone connected to Christ. He was zealous about the law and religion, about his own righteousness. You know, he was delighting in legalism, trying to earn favor with God, or so he thought. And then the Lord Jesus met him. Then the Lord Jesus, the risen Christ, in all his splendor and light, met him and he fell to his knees and trembling, conquered by the Lord. And eventually the Holy Spirit showed him who he really was in the light of the law of God, that he was a sinner, that all his religious efforts had not changed that. He learned that he was a stranger to God, a stranger to grace. But then he was brought to the Lord Jesus. And this is his testimony in Galatians 1. It pleased God who called me through his grace to reveal his son in me that I might preach him 
among the Gentiles. He was brought into a, a saving union with Christ, a, a real relationship with Christ. He came to love Christ. And in Christ, he knew that joy unspeakable. He knew the joy of knowing Christ, that joy of the Holy Spirit at work. The question is, do you? Do you know anything of these things? Have you received the word of God? Do you believe the word of God? That is what these believers with genuine faith here in Thessalonica did. And then in verse 7, see the next element. Not only did they have this true conversion, believing the word of God, they then became examples of faith. He said, you became examples to all in Macedonia and Achaia. That's really the entire of Greece. And when a person is given genuine faith in the Savior, they become examples. I don't know if you've understood that. But simply it means this. You can't be a believer without your life being changed. You know, the idea that you can sort of tick a box for Christ and then live as you please, you don't find that in the Bible. When a person encounters the risen Christ in saving power, they're not the same as they were before. There's new desires, a new heart, new priorities. They, they see the world for what it is, the, the things that they once loved and found comfort in. You know, they're replaced with new things. We love Christ. We want to please Christ. And then we become models to one another, examples to one another. Do you know, my dear friends, we are meant to be helpers to one another in the way. The way that we live for the Savior it has an impact on our brothers and sisters. And that can be a good thing. Or sadly, at times, it can be a, a, a not a good thing. We have a responsibility before the Lord to be encouragers of one another. You know, we, we, we cannot live to ourselves. You know, we should never want to be a stumbling block to one another. You know, there are times when thoughtlessness or careless words or, or selfish actions do more damage to our brothers and sisters than we realize. But when we know the Lord, we are to seek one another's good, to prefer one another above ourselves, to build up, not break down. And these dear believers, they are the savior of Christ. And it went far beyond their own fellowship. In fact, it says their examples throughout all Greece and their faithfulness actually goes even further. It's remarkable. And to the glory of grace. People across the land had heard of these brothers and sisters, the amazing work that the Lord had done in them and was doing through them. They took seriously their love for the Lord, their love for his cause and for each other. That's a challenge to us. When there's that genuine work of God, that genuine faith, you know, it's... An individual thing, the Lord deals with us as an individual, but also it's part of a wider thing as well and the impact we have upon one another. And these believers, they had it, genuine faith. And also, verse 8, see this, not only were they examples to one another, but they wanted to promote the cause of Christ. That's what they were living for. For from you the word of the Lord has sounded forth, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place your faith toward God has gone out. And so they're marked by this devotion to Christ to, to make his word known as far and wide as they can. And in that sense, they were just like Paul. You know, in Paul's thinking and his writing and, you know, walking worthy of God means 
living in the awareness that we have been adopted into the family of God, the, the kingdom of God by grace. And we can't build any other kingdom. And so Paul's greatest concern, you know, and, and our greatest concern, and the believers here at, at Thessalonica, you know, must be to, to see in our own lives and in the lives of men and women around us a love for Christ, a devotion to Christ. Now, friends, we're all different characters. We all have different strengths, but we should have in common in the Lord a desire to see his gospel going out. You know, when we know and love Christ, you know, we want to see the Lord Jesus exalted. And not just by others, but, but through us. And God has promised to, to give us what we need to honor Christ and to, to speak of him and to live for him, you know, and to have that spiritual boldness. And you know, you don't need to be, you know, a, a great missionary or a preacher or an a, apostle or prisoner or anything else to be used by God in spreading the gospel. Nor do you need to wait for all the, the circumstances in your life to line up just as you want them before you talk about the Lord Jesus. Wherever you are, you're never far from someone who needs to hear about the Savior. You know, you're never far from someone who needs to hear the amazing story of God's grace. And so let me ask you, as you're sat there and, and maybe thinking through, who are the lost and the longing people that God has placed around you? You know, they need the God that you know. And they might only meet him through your loving boldness and by speaking for the Lord Jesus. You know, he says, from you, plural, the word has sounded forth. Your faith has gone out. It was something that marked them as a people, not just one or two amongst them. The idea is that they were together in this desire to see Christ and his cause go forward. And that's a challenge to each one of us. If we, if we say we love the Lord, is that true of us? Is Christ's cause you know, that, that important to us, that everything else, you know, is around that. That actually the cause of Christ is more important than our own private lives and interests to sacrifice our own plans and priorities. You know, I ask myself, where are my affections? You know, that's how it was for these believers. That's why they were outstanding in this regard. They weren't perfect, but they were seeking the right things in life and word, shining testimonies of the grace of God, and a Christian promotes the cause of God by his lips and by his life. They were known to be salt of the earth. And happy are those towns and those communities who have true believers who are the salt of their communities. The great challenge to us in difficult days is not to withdraw. You find that many Christians, you know, it, it is so bleak that they kind of just take a pass on society. And in a measure you can understand that. But that's not what we're called to. If anything, we need to be right in the midst of salt in our communities and in our town. We promote the word of God by the way that we are. You know, men and women looking and, and seeing the power of the gospel at work. And none of us are going to live a perfect life, but we are called to live changed lives. And we live under the lordship of Christ. The Holy Spirit indwells us. Will we have complete success? No. Will we stumble and fail? Yes. 
but generally we will be different. And our lives will demonstrate that we have life in Christ. You know, maybe you're here this morning and, you know, as I'm speaking, you know that your life is very different from that of a believer because you've never known this grace of God at work in you. Maybe you're sat there this morning and you're conscious of the fact that actually you can't profess Jesus as your Savior. And there is a a great difference. It is life and death. And the difference is Christ. Knowing Christ, being in Christ, his life, his power at work, and there is hope for you. You know, if you cry out to him, if you hear this gospel that you need him and you receive it and believe it, that God is holy, that you are a sinner, and yet Christ came for you to deliver you from the wrath of God and the punishment you deserve through his death on the cross, if you believe him, you will be saved. And you will have this life. And your life will be different. Your life will be a testimony to the grace of God. And when people heard the name of these Thessalonian Christians, they were confronted with the power of gospel to change, to transform, to beautify the lives of men and women. And I have to say to those of you who are not Christians this morning, that Christ can do it for you. He can change you. And what must you do? Believe in him. Trust him. Trust in the word of God. Believe it. Take it to yourself. And as you do, you will be changed. And then, as we draw it together to a close, last couple of things to see. Verse 9. They turn from idols to serve the living God. Another mark of genuine faith. You know, the emphasis again is on this wonderful intervention of God, this great transformation. They were in this one position, then they were not. God drew them to himself and plucked them from the pit and overwhelmed them with his love and with his grace and his mercy. But it also had a negative side. Although they turned to God, it also meant they turned away from other things that they previously loved and treasured. They turned from sin to God. Specifically, we're told that they turned from these dead idols to the living God. You know, the Greek world was full of idols and superstitions. It's no different today. People still have their idols. And most obviously, many people have the idol of self. But as believers, we turn away from those things and we turn to the living God to be saved. And notice here, what are we saved to do? to serve him, to serve the living God. Not simply to have God on a Sunday for a couple of hours, but to serve him. And, you know, again, to make this point, the cause of Christ today in our land at this hour, he is desiring men and women who are going to serve him. And we're desperately short of those who have a heart to serve the Lord. And the cause of Christ is languishing and dying for want of people who will help the cause and serve God. You know, you might not be able what you used to do physically, but you can serve in that manner spiritually. It's it's the heart attitude. What am I living for? And sadly, we live in an age when self has the throne and not the Savior, but not these believers They were saved and they wanted to serve the Lord. They wanted to have Christ on the throne of their hearts. And then in verse 10, in all of this, they wanted to see him. And they waited for his return. To wait for his son from heaven, 
can be raised from the dead, even Jesus who delivers us from the wrath to come. You know, we've said it many times, but they knew that this life was not the pinnacle, and thank God that it's not. They knew that there was a glorious future, and to see Christ, and the true believer knows that it is only a matter of time before Christ comes again. And this world is set for judgment and all will give account and those outside of Christ will face that terrible reckoning and eternal condemnation. They will meet God as an enemy and they will face hell. It is a dreadful thought. They will meet Almighty God as their worst enemy. You see, God is the very best of friends that we can have, but he is also the very worst of enemies if we don't know him. And they're going to meet him in that coming day. And Christ will return. And if we are believers, he has delivered us from the wrath to come. By his death and his blood and his agony, he has died for us. He has risen in triumph. He has ascended, exalted, and he's coming again. And these believers, they had that in their thinking. They wanted to see him. He came the first time for our sins. He'll come the second time to take us to be with him. He's going to take his people to the glory. You know, you'll be with him to be in his presence, everything we could hope for, to be with Christ, to be his bride, to be in perfect communion with him, to be released from sin, to enjoy knowing him and seeing him and praising him and communing with him and with all the ransomed church of God. What a future awaits the people of God. And these believers, they knew that. They lived in the light of it. And you know, all of these elements of genuine faith, they come to us this morning, they come to my own heart, and they challenge me and they ask, where is this genuine faith today? Where is this real Christianity? You know, not, not the, the performance and all this. Where's the reality? You know, many professing Christians in Cornwall, many professing Christians across the land, but where is the reality? Where is the sense of the, the presence of God and the knowing of God so evident in the lives of the people? There's so much apathy, but you know, in the midst, there are a faithful remnant. Those who love the Lord, those who love his word, those who are committed to his cause and willing to take up their cross, and some are here who have received the word and are not ashamed of the Savior and who are suffering loss and counting the cost and glimpses of life but friends there is a great need and the call of the hour is for those believers who really know the Lord believe the Lord and who are those examples it's not simply better preaching that we need although we need that it's not better ministers although we need them too we need better examples believers so walking with God that news of it will spread and people will say you know did you hear about those people who were converted recently in such a place in Cornwall? You know, did you hear about them? It's, you know, they're, they're like those early Christians and they're, they're ready to suffer anything for Christ's sake. You know, is our desire this morning to know him better, to be made more and more like these faithful Thessalonians, ready to receive the word of God, whatever the price, whatever the cost. And that's why we need to cry out, oh Lord, that you would rend the heavens that you would come down. Oh God, we are in such a condition of need. The church is barren and dead and powerless everywhere. Oh God, take hold of the heavens with both hands. Rend it apart. Come down upon us. 
pour upon us this power from above. And our heart's cry should be, oh Lord, show us your glory. Show us that we might live for you. Let us know more of you. You see, my dear friends, genuine faith is taken up with Christ. And he transforms us. Oh, that my soul could love and praise him more. His beauty traces, majesty adore, live near his heart, upon his bosom lean, obey his voice, and all his will esteem. Where is genuine faith? My friends, I hope there is a glimmer of it in my own heart. I hope that it's in your heart too, that you know this Savior, this Savior who transforms, and that we might live for his glory, and that the world might see a shining so bright light that they might see this is a work of God and all to his glory. May the Lord help us and may he stir us up and awaken us even today. Amen.